Welcome to Fertility Help Hub's podcast. I'm Eloise, the founder and editor, and each week we bring you expert interviews, reader stories, holistic products, and more. Subscribe to our podcast for free so you never miss an episode. Hello, welcome. Today I'm being joined by lifestyle influencer and blogger Danny Wade from Colorado in the States. We're chatting today about your fertility experiences today. So before we go into that, as I know it's been quite the journey, please could you just give yourself a bit of an introduction and let our listeners know who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Danny. Um, like she said, I am based in Colorado. I've been here about three years. We moved here from Chicago, my husband and I. And um, we started our infertility journey um, back in 2019 when we, um, well, actually 2018, sorry, the time is going by so fast. It was 2018 that we decided to start trying to have a baby. Um, And of course we started naturally, um, not really paying attention as much to cycles and all of that because we assumed that if I got off birth control and we actively tried, that we'd get pregnant right away, right? That's every couple's ideal. (laughs) And um, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. And a year goes by before we realize, okay, we really actually do need to get some help um, because that's what's recommended at the one-year mark. So that's when we started um, seeking support from a new OB-GYN and started medication at that time um, and ever since have been kind of in and out of cycles of treatment with Clomid, IUI, um, natural cycles, and have yet to get pregnant. So here we are almost three years in, still trying to figure out what the best next step will be for us um, to make our family growth dreams come true. So on my Instagram, I, I talk a lot about a lot of things, um, but I'm big on adding what's actually going on in my life. So it's actually relatable. So I used to do mostly fashion and beauty, but I integrated talking about infertility and advocating for support um, and also providing support to other women going through this because I found that that was really important and helpful to me as well as to so many other people. Absolutely. So if we go back a step to your first year of trying to conceive naturally, did it start out fun? And then at what point did it start to change? And did you start to think, hang on a second, each month's going by and I'm, you know, dreading taking a test and this isn't how it's supposed to be? I'd say probably around six to eight month mark, it became one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm taking my temperatures in the mornings and I'm taking these ovulation tests and I'm keeping this tracker and it became much more structured and scheduled and it became something that we had to make sure we were fitting in rather than just enjoying the process as we wanted to, you know, in our own time. Um, And I'd say basically once we started getting in treatment, it became a lot more like business-like, right? Because once you're on medication and someone's monitoring what you're doing, um, you have to stick to a schedule to prove to them that you are doing what you're supposed to do and something is still wrong. So how was the IUI process? Because that's what you were recommended to do after a year, is that right? 
Yeah. So after we did three cycles of Clomid and then we were referred over to an actual fertility clinic to get more in detailed testing and talk about options. And after we got our testing done, we were told that everything was in with nor within normal range. Like there was nothing identified in any of the tests or scans that would prove why we're having issues getting pregnant. So the doctor kind of went through our chances of success um, with IUI versus IVF. We didn't really talk about any other options. There wasn't anything else presented. So we kind of felt like, okay, well, we've got to do IUI. Like we're ready to get this done. We want to get pregnant ASAP. And from his explanation, besides IVF, IUI was going to be our best chance. And it was a good place to start because um, it could work. Yeah, definitely. But um, I know that you had a bad experience. So without going into details about the clinic that you were at, what, well, their name, what exactly happened? Because I know that you felt totally abandoned after a failed IUI cycle. Yeah. So actually our first IUI cycle failed on Valentine's Day of 2020. So that was very, very difficult for us to handle. Um, we really thought that was going to be like our lucky day and that everything was going to be great because I felt like I had all the symptoms of pregnancy starting up during that two week wait. Um, and symptoms I had never had before in all of my cycles. And then we went right into another cycle and our second cycle failed on March 14th, the next month. So after that second cycle, we were very frustrated because it's like we're taking all these meds, we're following all their instructions. Between the first IUI and second IUI, they didn't tell us much different. They didn't, we didn't really even talk about doing anything different. But when I went in for my second um, IUI, it was a different person doing it. And she actually gave us different instructions afterwards than the first person did. So that threw us off a little bit, too, because we're like, why wouldn't we have been told this the first time? if you think this is going to, you know, increase our chances of success. Did you ask them about it? Did you say this is different to what we did last time? I did. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, totally. This is, this is what I would say you can do, and this is what you should do. And I was like, oh, okay. And, again, when you're brand new, we had never gone through any of this. This is our first clinic experience. We didn't know anything else to ask, anything else to push for, anything else to challenge. So we just went through the process and trusted the process um, and trusted these professionals. And this clinic came highly recommended by many people locally that I actually connected with through the Instagram um, community and fertility community. So I really just kind of trusted it. And the doctor led with his statistics, you know, and it was one of those situations where I feel like we weren't informed enough to ask anything different. And after that second... IUI failed, we were very upset, we were very frustrated, we felt very lost, and I, I reached out to our nurse, because you know, you're assigned a nurse that's kind of in charge of your communication and, and getting you started on each cycle and following you through and getting your medications filled. So I reached out to her and said, hey, you know, got another negative test, we're really upset, we're really sad. We don't know what to do. Would like to, I would like to meet with the doctor again to talk about, you know, what our other options are moving forward. 
And the response I got was, sorry, your cycle failed. You do not need to meet with a doctor again unless you're ready to move forward IVF. You've already met with him before. And it was very, yeah, closed off, like no emotional support, lacked a lot of any empathy whatsoever for our situation. And the fact that like, again, we're brand new to this process and we really wanted to feel like they had our backs and were ready to do what it takes to help us make our dreams come true, not just push us into IVF because that's what he's good at. And that's what they wanted to do. Like, it's about what we want to do and we have a right to know what our options are. So we felt very closed off after that and decided we weren't going to go back. And all that money as well. I mean, you put your money and trust into specialists, don't you? So of course you're going to do what they suggest. In the States, there, you know, in Colorado specifically, we do not have mandated infertility treatment coverage on insurance plans. So they did pass a law that will initiate coverage starting in January 2022. But even then, who knows what that's actually going to look like, right? Um, and, you know, at that point, it was 2020 with no coverage in sight. Neither one of our insurance plans that were available with our employers had any fertility coverage. Um, so once we were done in the undiagnosed category of getting testing done, they flipped us to the infertility diagnosis where nothing is covered by insurance. So we paid out of pocket for the medications for the IUI and the IUI processes themselves and all of the, you know, ultrasounds and labs, all of that came out of pocket. So lots of people are very, very apprehensive about changing clinics. It is a big thing to do, isn't it? And what's your advice for anyone looking to do it? Are you glad that you've done it now? Um, I am glad. Well, in a way, I feel like we, if we knew anything different, if we had known better, um, we would have pushed a little further to try to have conversations with our provider um, instead of kind of just being like, we're done, we're not even going to push this. Um, I would say, you know, if you feel like you've tried what you can to connect with your provider and to get on the same page with your provider and get your provider to really hear you and you don't feel comfortable going there anymore, then it's very much worth your time and your effort and your money to go ahead and start signing up for consults with other clinics that you've done research on that you're interested in. And I am glad that I've done some more research now that I've learned more and more of what questions to ask and what to look for in a clinic. Um, that I think is worth it if in the end where you get is where you need to be. Um, unfortunately, we're not where we need to be yet. I've interviewed a couple more fertility clinics this year in the spring and still have yet to find a connection. I've had actually another really unfortunate um, and disappointing experience with a clinic here that was recommended to me that initial the initial consult went great and I felt really trusting of the provider and really was putting my all into it and I convinced my husband like okay we've been out of treatment for over a year and I found a place that I think is worth us jumping back in 100% like let's go um, I loved the way she presented all of our options but it went quickly downhill once I finally actually got into the clinic for my initial blood work. From start to end of that appointment, things just continued to go wrong. I was treated with very disrespectfully. 
And the follow-up call that I had with her a few days later, which they, for, they made me schedule it. Like she wouldn't even just call me to, for me to tell her, like, I've got some feedback and concerns before we move forward with my husband's part of this process. Um, she talked over me, interrupted me, basically patient blamed, right? Um, very sim- similar to victim blame. Like I'm the one that was mistreated, yet she was blaming me for the mistreatment I received. And she wasn't even at my appointment. What? Yes. And it was very bizarre. I didn't know where it was coming from. It was almost like this misplaced anger from her when I actually didn't, like I didn't come at her attacking. I was like, well, let me start from the beginning. So it started when I checked in and then this happened and I was like, and then this happened. And so I went through each thing and I was like, and it just made me uncomfortable. I, I told her how it made me feel. I didn't say, you know, I didn't bash her clinic. I just wanted her to make, understand how I felt um, and to get some reassurance from her, like, oh my gosh, no, like this shouldn't have happened. It won't happen again. We are organized. We're not going to mess this up. Like, let me talk to them. She very much was 100% like, it's your fault. You should have done this. You should have gotten this in the email. She thought I, she told me I, I should have gotten a welcome packet. And I'm like, I remember you saying that a week or so ago, but it never came through. I just figured maybe I'd get it when I get to the appointment. She's like, no, I'm looking at the portal and it's here. You must have access issues. And I'm like, I'm looking at the portal and it's not here. And then boom, it pops up with that day's date as we're on the phone. And she's like, it's there. And I said, well, this is today's date. It was supposed to be sent to me two weeks ago. So this is before you start the treatment with them. This is before even a treatment. I just went in for blood work and urine sample. And so did you say to them at this point, no, we're done here. We're not going to carry on. Yeah, I was very, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to talk to my husband because I don't feel like he is going to be comfortable moving forward. And I'm not sure I want to. And she was like, talk about what you need to talk about. And you know what I mean? Just was very dismissive. And by the way, I got a call after that from her front desk because they thought they were resetting my portal access. And I said, I don't have issues with my portal access. I never received this. And the girl even admitted it. She said, I'm so sorry. We never released this document to you until today. And I said, well, I need you to tell the doctor that because the doctor really believes that I'm, I'm making this up and it's really unfortunate. So I talked to my husband about it and we were like, this is not going to happen. We're not moving forward with them. We don't trust them and they don't know how to treat people. And if this is how it starts, who knows what it's going to be like when we're further into treatment. I think that sounds like a very good decision. So where, where are you guys at now? So we've had one consult since then. We're not going to move forward with that clinic just because it's, it's further away and it'd be much more difficult to do either IUI or IVF traveling back and forth that far. So we are in a pause again um, and continuing, you know, natural cycles. I know, I unfortunately know that realistically our chances, um, are only great at this point if we move forward with IVF from a conversation I had with another doctor on an IG Live a couple weeks ago. Um, we did a mock consult, but he really applied it to my case. And, based, and it's great the way he broke it down. Um, I've never had it explained to me the way he explained it to me. And I feel like if I had from any of the previous doctors we worked with, we would have moved forward a long time ago, which is sad to think about, right? Like you just think of all the wasted time. Has it been unexplained infertility? Yes. So frustrating. Unexplained infertility, no known cause. And my understanding is realistically at my age, 
with no explanation and with our goals of having two children, um, IVF is our next step. And also that would be the point where we could actually get answers. You know, is it fertilization? Is it implantation? Is it, you know, because I haven't been pregnant yet. And that's one difference that I've just learned recently is like, if you've been pregnant before, whether it was, you know, a chemical or um, miscarriage or whatever category it fit in that it didn't carry to term, they would have a better understanding of why we're not able to succeed. But I haven't even gotten to a point of knowing if we can even fertilize or implant Oh, it's such a long journey. It's such a long wait. And you had everything held up by COVID as well, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, COVID hit, you know, with the closures within a couple of weeks after we decided to take a pause from our, current, our first clinic. And so it was one of those things we were like, well, I guess the timing worked out because if, even if we were in the middle of an IUI cycle right now, I don't know how that would have been handled. And we kind of felt a little bit more relief of like, okay, it makes sense that this worked out this way. But now I just feel a lot of just like feeling left behind and, you know, seeing a lot of other couples moving forward and we're kind of still trying to find a clinic we can trust. You mentioned that before these fertility struggles, you know, you were blogging around lifestyle and fashion. I know you still do that now, but there's there's obviously the slant of fertility as well do you find the instagram community comforting or do you find that sometimes it can be difficult to be in whilst you're going through it it's both it's super comforting because i find so many stories that validate where we're at and how we're feeling and and what i've gone through but on the other hand there's the other side of it where there's people who have gone through their treatments and have had success and maybe started around the time I did. And sometimes it makes it feel, makes me feel really like left behind. Or when I see a lot of pregnancy announcements, when I log in, you know, I have to be very conscious of taking breaks from those pages. Um, And I make sure that my feed is mixed, right? I've still got fashion bloggers on my feed and travel bloggers and friends. And uh, it's not just all infertility community members because I can't, like, I can't soak that in all day, every day. It can't be my full time life um, because it's already overwhelming enough living through it than to have it constantly be repeated through every exposure around me and in social media. Um, yeah, it, it's a double-edged sword, right? Um, like if I wasn't a part of the community, I wouldn't feel as supported. But being a part of the community, that there is the, a very big chance that a lot of what I'm going to see is going to be triggering for me. Is there anything that you can say to listeners who might be in a similar situation that you've kind of learned over the last couple of years or any advice that you give to anyone who's struggling to? I would say as soon as you think something's wrong start the conversation with a provider. Even, you know, long before you know, like what your timeline is of when you guys want to start trying, whether it's you solo, you and a partner, um, you know, start talking about your options with a a trusted provider earlier on, not just when you know you're ready. I did actually start having family, family planning conversations with a previous primary care doctor, but they were in Chicago. And it was before 
my husband and I really had a plan of when we wanted to start. I just knew that we were approaching those years and I found it very helpful, but I wish I had somebody I could have carried those conversations with when we moved and could have continued checking on things to see like, is there any red flags earlier on? So I would say have those conversations earlier with your provider of what your options are and challenge them to talk about all the fertility options not just the, the standard IUI and IVF, you know, talking about egg freezing and egg donations and sperm donations if you end up having infertility or male factor infertility as part of your journey, um, you know, just kind of a lot of the what ifs and options and what's available to you. And then moving forward, you know, continue looking at insurance coverages. Uh, when you get these, you, a new job, you know, look into what your options are going to be if for some reason you end up on a route where you're going to need infertility treatments. Um, it's something I never would have thought to look for until we were going through it. Um, and I would say trust your gut. You know, like if you go through a process and you're working with an RE or a nurse practitioner and you feel like something's not right, you know, if you feel comfortable, talk to them about it. And if you don't feel comfortable, you know, trust your gut and maybe this is not the best place for you to receive your care and to invest all of your time, trust and money in um, because you're probably right. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for sharing your experiences to date. I know it's difficult to keep talking about it whilst you're living through it, but it will be reassuring for other people to hear who are also at, uh, you know, experiencing similar issues with clinics and uncertainty and unexplained infertility and holdups from COVID. So really do appreciate you sharing and all the posts that you do too. Everyone should follow you on Instagram. Um, I'll put your links in here to your handle, etc. But yeah, it's such a comfort. And I've shared some of your posts before because they really are written in such a relatable way. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I hope to continue to be a relatable voice in this community for everyone and even people who look like me who don't feel as represented in this community um, or feel like they're the only ones going through this process. Um, I totally get that. And I always encourage anybody who, you know, wants to chat, they can always DM me on Instagram. I always answer my DMs. I may be a little slow to respond just because it's, I, I do have a lot going on outside of Instagram, but I always want to be a support to anybody who reaches out. And so I do make sure I respond and, and make individual connections to everybody because I know this journey is super difficult. It's a roller coaster and having someone you can talk to about it can make all the difference in how you feel day to day. 100%. Well, wishing you the best of luck finding the perfect clinic and lovely to speak to you today. Thank you. You too.